0: Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to Rugged Theology. I am your host, as usual, Adam Diamond. And today we have a special guest that we actually met at uh, T4G this past year, they had a booth next to us and they're kind of doing the same thing that Malwin Mission is doing, except down in Baltimore. So I figured, hey, why not reach out to these guys um, and let you, our listeners, hear about what else is happening across um, our, not country, yeah. <laughs> I am blanking, <laughs> our continent, it- yeah, what? our continent. We're on the
1: same continent.
0: <laughs> North America, what is happening across North America? There's a good blooper for you.
1: <laughs> well, you, you, you're so far away. It just feels like, you know, We are we the same continent?
0: Really, though? Really, though, right? Yeah. Uh, so
1: welcome. How's it going, Joel? It, it's, it's going well, and it's good to be on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was great to actually kind of have our booths together and kind of see again what church planting is looking like across our you know, our continent, across North
1: America, yeah, and if I remember right, your entire booth was left on a truck somewhere. Yeah, we yeah. only got back <laughs> recently, actually.
0: <Yeah. laughs> uh, and- th- we
1: won't talk about that. <laughs> okay. But it worked out. You guys actually had somewhat of a booth put together for not having a booth.
0: Yeah, we well, we had one sign that we took with us, and we had that table and stuff, and we kind of—I think—we kind of drawed a bit of attention because people kind of heard our story. And we're praying that we would get a booth. I mean, we got it eventually. A ups said they lost it and then they found it and then they were showing shipping label it, it was it was a
1: mess well you have such dynamic personalities you don't need a booth you just you just stand there and that's the accent that- i think i think it's mostly the accent it's, that's it
0: <laughs> all right joel uh so why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself um where you're from what you're doing you know family that typical stuff uh, and then you can tell us a bit about uh,
1: one hope and what you're doing there sure so i'm i am from Akron, Ohio, originally, and uh, I met my wife in uh, college in Florida. Her name is Jess. Uh, we got married uh, shortly after I graduated from college, and uh, uh, sort of sort of fell into Bible college. Really, I was chasing chasing her. I met her and went to went to school where she was going, and the rest is history. And at some point, fell fell in love with the idea of the Bible and preaching and ministry. Okay as well as sort of this hard places kind of concept, you know, like I, early on, even early on in my life, I just had, had this heart for the broken. And I think part of that too is, is, uh, uh, growing up, you know, we, we had a lot of financial hardships growing up. And so mm-hmm. I places sensitivity, I think for those that struggle, but then also those that are just neglected in gospel ministry. So all that to say, I, uh, Ended up in ministry and moved to the great state of Maryland, uh, where I currently am. Been here uh, in the state for going on 20 years. Oh, wow. I've been in Baltimore City for uh, 14. Uh, is that right? 14 years since 2008. Okay. We planted a church um, uh, called the Garden Church from 2008 until about 2012, was uh core group development just kind of get, getting the the foundation for a church we covenanted together in 2012 as a new church and uh been serving here in Baltimore ever since
0: right on um so was there anything special about Baltimore that you know like you wanted to plant a church there or was it you just found yourself there saw a need how, how did that come about for the garden church
1: i uh was was out about an out I'm sorry, about an hour outside of Baltimore, serving as a youth pastor. And I think it was, man, it was just kind of this gradual sort of thing that that developed. Um, being outside of the city, over time, I fell in love with the city. I was doing a lot of, uh, of work in Baltimore. I was bringing my youth into the city. I was doing some youth development ministry here. And I also had this sort of desire to plant a church, and at some point, I put two and two together. I'd like to plant a church, see a new congregation formed. I have a heart for tough sort of communities, Baltimore City, and I just brought all that together, and mm-hmm. uh, it was very gradual. But man, the need here was so tremendous. I mean, like, you look across our city, and it's just, it's a lot of churches. There's a lot of church buildings, but the gospel has, has been lost in so many of them and you combine that with uh the uh the the, the poverty i mean we've got uh 60 of our neighborhood is under poverty uh, i think 80 80 or 90 percent of the kids are in single parent homes wow. I mean, the, the, yeah statistics are pretty alarming half the kids graduate from high school in our neighborhood and so you put all that together and it creates this environment where uh, people are really kind of overlooking the these communities in healthy church planting and sort of the best of gospel work. You know, and uh, we want to serve the poor, but so often we we don't make disciples of the poor. And yeah. so that was that was our drive.
0: That's really good, Ben. Uh, so why don't you tell us a bit about like what one hope is and how did you get the idea to start it?
1: Yeah. So One Hope is a ministry of the Garden Church. Very, very similar to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, in 2016, uh, we raised some money to bring on uh, an additional staff person. And that's really how it began. Okay. So it began with uh, me raising some money to bring on a young lady named Stephanie. And, uh, and that was birthed out of this, this need to just like, I just needed help. And Stephanie was this counselor and trained in sort of people skills. And, and so I brought her, her into the mix to really help me uh, uh, think through some of the, I don't know, the social development side of discipleship, if that makes sense, counseling and conflict resolution and jobs. And as we were doing that, I combined that with this other desire that I had to plant churches. And uh, what what happened, what came out of that was, let's not just raise money for Stephanie, but let's create a a platform that we could use in our church to really raise up leaders from the city for the city uh, and resource and equip new church plants in the toughest communities throughout Baltimore City and beyond. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was around 2016 that that began also um like you guys uh we learned a lot from 20 schemes yeah Uh, yeah. during that process man i sat down with uh matthew from 20 schemes and uh ended up uh hanging out with them in scotland for uh, a couple trips and okay so that was also very formative they were very formative and helped us shape through uh shape and think through how we're going about some of the work
0: and some of the, the, the logistics. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's really cool, man. And, and, uh, I've come to appreciate 20 Team so much. I mean, to be honest, when I started with my mission, I had no idea who they were. Um, I actually came from a uh, Pentecostal background. Um, so I was a pastor there with the Pentecostal assembly. So closest to you would be assemblies of God um, so that's that's my background. And uh, you know, we can probably chat later about my whole journey to where I am now. That's a story yeah. in the, in and of itself. Uh, but coming to see that model, um, how they're working to, you know, even raise up indigenous planters and target those neighborhoods. Um, I saw a post recently. So we we're having one of the biggest forest fires now in our province, back uh more central part of the island when I'm where I'm from right now. Um, and people are saying, oh, we're, we're praying for Grand Falls, pray, praying for Grand Falls, but it's, it's Grand Falls, Windsor is two towns that are amalgamated. And so someone puts on, oh, I feel like Windsor is being left out. We're here too. <laughs> but it just goes to show those strong ties to communities and why these neighborhood churches work. Cause you know, you identify with your community. Um, so what kind of, what kind of neighborhoods are, are you targeting? Like, do they have specific names? Like what, what does that look like down in Baltimore? Yeah,
1: so we are in the Upton neighborhood of Baltimore, Upton Druid Heights. Um, we are currently targeting a neighborhood called Sandtown. Okay. Another neighborhood, uh, Elwood park. There's a couple different areas that we're looking at, uh, over on the east side. One of those neighborhoods is only a mile from us. Uh, we have one of our elders that's already living in that neighborhood. Uh, he renovated a house uh, as, as a community center there. Uh, his name is Mike. His wife is Becca. They're doing just amazing work already in that neighborhood. And so we're looking to uh, plant a church with Mike in that neighborhood. And why, why plant a church only a mile away? And it's because Baltimore is a neighborhood-based city. We have about uh, 10,000 people that live in our neighborhood specifically. And you cross over into the Sandtown neighborhood just a mile away, and you got another 13. I don't know how many are exactly there, but another 13, 15,000 people or so. So, uh, uh, anyway, that's one. The other one is East Baltimore, about three miles from us. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's another one of our elders named Andrew who's who's looking to potentially plant there. And he already lives there as well with his with his wife.
0: Yeah, I feel you there. I mean, but only a mile away. I mean, I'm I'm our church planter for downtown. Uh, we're just close to you know almost ten thousand people in our downtown core. Um, no real local evangelical church or somewhere around, but they're more destination churches. So I'm trying to work with them for the area as we're there, and we're building a good relationship so far. Uh, but literally, we have a street that divides from what we call like basically downtown proper, and then from that street up, there's a small little circle called Buckmaster Circle. And as close as they are, they will say they're not say they will not say they're from downtown. I mean it's probably it's a street over. That's it. They're from yeah. Buckmaster Circle. That's it. They're not from downtown. You you can't say they're from downtown. So yeah. I absolutely feel you on that. Like that's and it just makes sense. People identify with that, right? And use it to our advantage.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Uh um, yeah, so yeah.
0: in getting this started, um, did you face any like um, opposition or backlash from your church were they like skeptical about what this was going to look like how how does that go for you getting one hope started
1: you know it's been interesting first of all no backlash no skepticism our church has always been just so amazing incredible people that are supportive and Mm -hmm. they want to see the city reach. they want to plant churches so um the what's been interesting actually in our church though has been uh the confusion that we, we began with ourselves. You know, like I said, we started one hope primarily focusing on raising support for, um, for Stephanie.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So with our church, it's sort of been uh, difficult to transition them away from that thinking of like one hope is Stephanie and what Stephanie is doing at the garden church. Okay. Which kind of was the original, you know, when we first started talking about it with the church, Mm -hmm. but really, Catching this vision for wait a second. One hope is is actually you know st- what Stephanie's doing, and what I'm doing, what others are doing is is the work of the Garden Church, and One Hope is sort of this behind the scenes um, uh, platform to resource ministry and church planting. So it's been a little bit of a uh, really just kind of a branding sort of challenge for us within the church. But for the most part, like I said, everybody is really excited to see new churches and disciples made throughout the city. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, So how many, how many church plants do you have currently?
1: Well, yeah, so we, we've helped to plant a couple. Um, We are uh, a church plant ourselves, so we've done it once. We've uh, helped to plant two other churches out of our church. And then we've got two guys right now that are kind of ramping up to plant. So we're pretty early on in this thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's cool. Uh, how big is, how big is the garden church?
1: We've got 96 members, maybe uh, one somewhere between 115 and 130 in attendance on Sundays.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you're actually pretty close to the size of Calvary Baptist, our, our sending church. Okay. Uh, we've got about 70 odd members and uh, usually 110, 115 in attendance. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's
1: really neat to see. Probably a massive congregation for you, for your context, right? Uh,
0: so it's one of it would be one of the bigger churches. Uh, There's two in the city that would have, um, I mean, pre COVID they, their building could fit up to 300. They would probably have around 200 for a service. Um, there's another Pentecostal church that has, uh, uh, maybe four or 500, but they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. It's, it's interesting, but it's very, it's very skewed. Yeah, it's yeah. very skewed, right? Um, so outside of that, most churches, on average, in our province, would have fifty to a hundred.
1: Yeah, on average, similar to Baltimore, we we of course have a couple of you know really big churches like any large city is going to have, but for the most part, um, you hit a hundred people in Baltimore, and it's it's a pretty good sized congregation.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. I mean, people just don't get church funding here. I don't know why it's like there, but. I mean, we had chats with our neighbors, so we were able to give our neighbors uh, a, a gift um, to help them out. And she came over after I asked her, So where's this church to? And my she was asking my wife, and she was like, "Oh, it's it's here in our house." She's like, "No, like where's your building?" It's like mm-hmm. we meet here. She's like, "No, you need to have a building." Like she couldn't she couldn't fathom like, you know, you gotta have your your, your steeple, your pews, all that stuff. You uh, know, a traditional Catholic woman um, just couldn't yeah. gather like. How what do you mean you have a church in your house?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How do people respond
0: it, to church planting where you are?
1: What how,
0: how do they respond
1: to it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think it's quite as uh foreign of a concept mm-hmm. here. Um in in our in our city, you're gonna have a lot of uh what we call storefront churches. And, uh, a lot of family churches. So there's Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a culture in our city of, um, it wouldn't necessarily be called church planting, but starting your own ministry, they might call it. Um, a lot of people who have uh, a ministry with their aunts and uncles and cousins that attend it, you know, uh, that meet in the storefront. So the, the concept of starting a church is not foreign here, um, at all. Um, What is foreign, though, I think is really a neighborhood-based approach.
0: Okay, yep.
1: Uh, Focusing on actually living in the neighborhood, moving in intentionally, being present. Um, You know, I have to tell people, like, look, we didn't just... Because we don't own a building in our neighborhood yet. We're trying to get a building. And uh, one of the challenges has been that people see... Uh, see us renting a space, and they're like, oh, you're just another, you know, guy trying to start your own ministry, Um, and then they see that we're living here, and they're like, wait a second, like, half your church lives in the neighborhood, like, this is different, so I have to tell people, we're not just here because we can get cheap rent, but we're in, we intend to be in this neighborhood intentionally, and we're staying in this neighborhood, and that's really the surprise for people.
0: That, that's really cool to hear because I think neighborhood churches can do so much and mm-hmm. it makes a difference. I think when the pastor and I mean, staff actually live among the people you're trying to reach, yeah. you know, like you don't have to call your pastor in an emergency and he lives like a half hour to an hour drive away. Right. He, he could live on the same street as you. He could probably walk to your house maybe 15 minutes, drive there in like two or three. Right. Well, exactly. um, and that makes such a huge difference in the, the issues your congregants are having you're having the same issues. Yeah. I know for me, like I can talk, I mean, snow clearing in our city is a very contentious issue, especially in our downtown area. And so I can talk about that now, Yeah. So we're we're blessed enough that a snow clearing route starts exactly at our house. So come December 31st, or sorry, December 1st to March 31st, we cannot park in front of our house. So I have to find somewhere else to park. Right, right. So I'm the lucky one where it starts. <laughs> uh, so I know what it's like to have the icy side. So anyway, anyways, it, it just goes to show that, you know, I could now empathize and, you know, get on the same level as people I'm trying to reach. I'm not living in right. some suburb somewhere. And, you know, I don't hear the yelling and, and or the, the drunks walking around at night. No, I hear all that. Exactly.
1: Like, picking it's stuff empathy. out
0: of the sand at the playground and you know all that stuff. I found a big old, like, you know, construction, big old like peg and like some uh, broken glass and, you know, nails everywhere in, in the uh, playground behind our house. And that's just, to me, it's just right now downtown. I'm used to it now. I've had babysitters come in. And I'm like, oh, don't worry about the, the safety, the safe needle drop box in the playground. Their eyes pop open. And I'm like, oh, I'm happy it's there actually. I mean, it's sad it has to be there, but I'm happy it's there, but that's welcome to downtown.
1: <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's so important. Uh, to demonstrate that too, for your own members to see uh, the pastor, their leadership uh, intentionally living and engaging Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. Um, You know, one of the challenges I think for, for us and might be similar for you is, is that people who are from the area often are trying to get away from the area. And we have people that want to leave the neighborhood. And I, I think they would if if we weren't intentionally sort of displaying that kind of engagement, you know, in intentional living, Mm -hmm. Uh, many of them still do. Many of them still do leave the city when they're able to. And there's a sense in which like, Hey, Christian freedom. I can't like, (laughs) you know, judge them for that. But it's such a blessing when people intentionally stick around and stay local in the neighborhood so that we can have more of what you're saying there. So
0: why don't you tell me a bit about your city? Like, why why Baltimore? I mean, I know that's why you settled down. Like, but why do you think Baltimore needs more churches? What's the gospel situation there, like?
1: I haven't been in every church in Baltimore. So, you know, that's, this, that's my caveat here. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, when I look across the city, I can just come up with a handful of churches that I can recommend. And that's after being here for 14 years. Um, there's a, uh, man, who was it? I, my mind's blank, but there was an author who said uh, that a lot of sometimes we think that there's a because there's a lot of church buildings in cities that um, the gospel is present, you know, and he likened it. And I, uh, this always stuck with me. He said it's similar to grocery stores. He says you can have a neighborhood with a lot of little corner stores that sell food, but it's still considered a food desert. And that's because what they're selling isn't, isn't food that can sustain you. It's not healthy food. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that that's a good analogy for the church, that what's often coming out of a lot of uh, churches is just not sustainable. It's not really the gospel. And it's, you know, I, I, I say that with a caveat, too, because I don't want to just be like the negative, like, uh, you know, talking bad about other churches kind of guy. But I say that you almost have to say that because there are so many church buildings, right? And so, why do we need another church? And the answer is simply: I believe that we need gospel-centered, gospel-preaching churches, and that so uh, so often in the our best uh, missions and church planning efforts, that the, these kinds of communities are just overlooked for for various reasons, and. Uh, we we also named named our the Garden Church's ministry One Hope. The church planting ministry, and that's partly because it's a very biblical two words, but um, it's it's also because the uh, the city is burned out with non nonprofits. You know, you've got every kind of quote unquote hope that has come into this city, mm-hmm. and. Into our neighborhood, and you know the the fathers program, and the reading program, and the the addiction program, and the jobs program, and all of these different things, and the community remains in these cycles of poverty and addiction and violence and uh, being taken advantage of, and you name it. And so, what we are promoting is that there is one hope of the gospel, Jesus Jesus Christ, and we believe. That the local church really is the best kind of mercy ministry, the best kind of poverty ministry, even at a practical level. I mean, certainly at the spiritual level of addressing the person's eternal uh, position with God, and uh, knowing that this time of temporal deprivation in their life is 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 temporal indeed, and that there's an eternal question at stake, and that's the that's the main issue, is uh, is their eternal home. But even in the, in the uh, temporal, in the, this practical sort of reality in which we live, um, the church becomes the, a family that people don't have, that mm-hmm. people have never had. You know, Jesus said, uh, you, you die to yourself, you, you die to your family, you die to all of these things, and what do you receive? Hundred fathers, a hundred mothers, a hundred brothers, a hundred sisters. You know, and I think part of what he's saying there is is what we've experienced here, and that is that people really do have a network. They have a family. They've got mentors. They've got all these uh, folks that are just demonstrating and displaying a different kind of life. And so when we when we understand I rightly understand what the church is, when we demonstrate healthy uh, church. Uh, membership and uh, belonging and what it means to belong to the local church. It really creates this countercultural reality Mm -hmm. that people can enter into. And it's life-changing. It really is. It changes the whole trajectory of of their life and their family's life.
0: I'm right there with you, man. Um, So it sounds like you think local churches, by planting local neighborhood churches, that's the best thing that you can do to help your city.
1: It is, I don't know if I always believed that when I first started, to be honest. (laughs) But the more I've done it, the more I believe it. I really think that that's true.
0: Yeah, it it does something to you, I think, when you Mm -hmm. see what can happen when you have a local body of believers in a neighborhood. Um, I did a preaching illustration once, and this was a number of years ago, um, when I was talking about, you know, basically being active in your everyday life, right? Uh, you know, making use of everyday moments to disciple people, uh, spread the gospel, evangelism, that kind of stuff. So I had people gather, turn all the lights off the church, had people gather in the center with flashlights, right? So I was like, here here we are as a church, You know, if we all stick together, and I'm like, this is how much light we get. But then if you spread everyone out through the room, all of a sudden, the room's almost lit up because everyone's spread out. And I think that also applies to church planting, right? You know, what's better to have that one big mega church um, where everyone's coming around or to have, you know, five churches of five, five, ten churches of local people, like, you know, 50 to 100 people per church impacting that neighborhood, that part of the city. I mean, that to me, that seems like such a more strategic and um, honoring God honoring way to use our resources yeah. uh, to meet people where they are instead sort of basically expecting them to come to where we want them to be. You know, right. we go we go to where they are ministered in their context.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, I've I've, I've always said, and I really believe this, that I would I would love to have a mega church. Like I would love to see 2000 people from our neighborhood come to know Christ. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And have to rent out the you know, some hall or you know. Um the reality is is that that's well. I'm not seeing two thousand people in our neighborhood come to Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I'm seeing a handful. And uh, and and so if we can just keep creating these handfuls of believers throughout the uh, different parts of the city, as opposed to believing that we have to constantly bring them all together into one location, mm-hmm. um, you know to keep the size, to keep whatever going. Uh, to, to send them out into these neighborhood based churches as you're talking about, then uh, I think I think you're exactly right. you know it's not about the size, but it's about the neighborhood impact. You know if we could have a, a two thousand member church in every neighborhood, wonderful. Uh, but if we can also have a 20 member church or 200 member church in each neighborhood, that's also great.
0: Right. And there are people that honestly you would not have reached if you weren't in that neighborhood some people just won't leave.
1: Right. Right.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, so before we clear this up, why don't you let us know like what your biggest need is and, you know, prayer requests right now. Like how can we pray for you? Um, people who are listening to this. How can they pray for you? How can they come alongside you? Give me your final sales pitch as it
1: were. <laughs> well, two things. One uh, is for the garden church. And then one is beyond the garden church. So within the garden church, we've never had a building and we've gotten to the place where we really need one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh we, we meet in a dilapidated uh facility that has rats and mold. and you know I hope people that are considering okay. checking our church don't listen to this podcast, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> and uh we also we, we don't have much space for uh ministry throughout the week either. So we're uh, we're actually trying to buy a building right now. We're looking to raise another, I don't know, Two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 probably in renovations for a building that we're looking to buy. We have money okay. that need to raise renovation money. So that is a huge need for us. I think it can become a center and a hub for future church planting as well. One Hope would operate out of that building. Um, and uh, so, that, so that's sort of a the garden church prayer request. Pray mm-hmm. that this thing would come through this building that it would work well for us and that we would have the resources. Uh, and certainly people can give to that. We have a building fund on our website, thegardenbaltimore.com forward slash donate, I think it is. Uh, and then also beyond the Garden Church is uh, One Hope Church planting. Like I said, we've got a couple guys right now that we're looking to plant with. And uh, we we are really praying for church partners to come alongside us so that we can plant them well. Uh, we need to raise our, our budget once we start planting these churches, our budget is going to double and triple and uh, the the needs are gonna double and triple the 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 need for workers and uh, uh, short-term missionaries to come and to serve mm-hmm. and so we're we're really looking for partners. Uh, and when we say partners, what we mean are generally speaking churches uh, or individuals, but churches that can, can come and help out. They can send people. They can give money uh, to support the cause. They can commit to prayer. But then also individuals. Uh, Some of our most powerful partners are actually individuals that just care about this and get behind it at an individual level. And uh, people can connect with that through uh, www.onehope.gives.
0: That's great. Um, so, if you're listening to this, um, I hope you've learned a little bit about church planting, even in North America. I got it right this time. <laughs> did not get <laughs> did not get oh, caught up not. that time. <laughs> um, but North America is in great need, it, all over, of church planting. It's not just Newfoundland, and Labrador, but there's also a need in Baltimore. It's great to see um, twenty schemes inspiring elder ministries in you know our region. Uh, so, if you're listening, be in prayer for One Hope. Be in prayer for Baltimore. And even if you're, if God has worked on your heart and you want to support them or you want to learn more about them, go check them out. Um, we don't have to just be focused here. You know, we can spread the wealth. We'll say, uh, you know, we're together for the kingdom. We're together to see souls in general come to know Christ and come into that kingdom. Uh, so you know, bless you, Joel, and the ones who say here, God bless your cotton socks. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> you probably have no idea what that means but uh, god bless you cotton sucks you don't say it like that I'll teach you <laughs> exactly all right um so if you're listening catch us again next week uh but be sure again I'll post a link check out one hope see what they're about learn more about Baltimore uh and yeah god bless man and uh with your work we'll be praying for you
1: likewise man I love what you guys are doing and uh want to encourage and support your work as well so keep it up
0: Thanks, bro. All right, take care. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.